Thanks for joining my Smart Smile podcast, where the goal is to help you get the grade and the name RDH. I'm your host, Amanda Shoemaker. On this episode, I will be discussing pharmacology. Pharmacology is a pretty steep subject. So this will be covering lots of different parts, including the nervous system, um, vasoconstrictors, different types of drugs, agonists, uh, dental anesthesia, you name it. This is a full review for pharmacology for the dental hygienist. Listen closely for study tips to help retain this podcast content. Let's get started. All right, let's talk about the nervous system. The human nervous system is divided into the central nervous system, which we term CNS, and the peripheral nervous system, which we call the PNS. The CNS is composed of two parts, the brain in the spinal cord. Now we have a involuntary system called the ANS, the autonomic nervous system. And it's involuntary, meaning cannot be controlled, such as the digestion and circulation of blood. So we have parasympathetic and sympathetic as two of these parts of this involuntary system. When you hear parasympathetic, what I want you to think of is rest and digest. (sighs) We're going to relax. Our pupils, they constrict. We don't need to take in as much light, so our pupils are smaller. We're relaxed. We may even lay our head on our pillow. Some of us might even drool. Our saliva could be stimulated. We're relaxed. Our heart slows. We're relaxed. Our breathing constricts. We don't have to work so hard. We don't need to use the bathroom. Our bladder contracts. Our body's relaxing. It takes us time to stimulate digestion. Our body's going to do some work while we rest. Maybe we just had a lot of food. We're going to take a little lay down and our body's going to digest. Our gallbladder is going to be stimulated. And you know what we're laying down? Our sex organs are going to be stimulated. So parasympathetic, rest and digest. Now a sympathetic, it's going to be our fight or flight. We need to think of how we feel with fight or flight. Our pupils, they dilate. They become very large. We need to let in as much light and see as well as we can to prepare for this fight. We're no longer salivating. We're ready. Our heart is accelerating. It's beating fast. Maybe we're scared. Um, Our breathing is heavy. Our body is not thinking about digestion. So there's no digestion happening. Our gallbladder, it's stimulating the release of glucose to keep us clear and focused. Remember, glucose is fuel for our brain. Maybe our bladder relaxes. You've heard of it. People get scared and they pee themselves. Our bladder relaxes. And you know what? This is fight or flight time. Our sex organs are not trying to work. So this is what I want you to think of when you think of fight or flight. 
so fight or flight is sympathetic, and rest and digest is parasympathetic. So we have neurotransmitters that carry impulses across the synapse. The two neurotransmitters found in the ANS are acetylcholine and norepinephrine. The norepinephrine neurotransmitter belongs in the sympathetic system and the acetylcholine controls the parasympathetic system. So here are some keyword correlations for you. Sympathetic, adrenergic, norepinephrine, parasympathetic, cholinergic, acetylcholine. Now, there are two types of adrenergic receptors in the sympathetic system. We've got alpha and beta, and the norepinephrine neurotransmitter binds to these receptors. The alpha receptor is primarily excitatory or stimulating, except for the relaxing of intestines. The beta receptors are primarily inhibitory or relaxing, except for the stimulation of the heart. So, as a review, um, think about the parasympathetic system as cholinergic and acetylcholine, and the sympathetic system as adrenergic and norepinephrine. Okay, moving on, let's talk about some different uh, things to review very quickly on drug reactions. Any type of adverse drug reaction should be reported to the Food and Drug Administration. The Food and Drug Administration also regulates prescription drugs and over-the-counter drugs. Okay, so as you can recall, we have um, a couple of ways that we can take medications, right? So... um, we have different drug root administrations. Can you remember the drug root administration used for the placement of arrestin or minocycline? Yes, so it is topical or subgingival. So let's not forget the paroenteral routes, enteral routes, how we receive drugs. Okay, so topical, we have arrestin. Arrestin, and that's also subgingival. So um, remember, we have intravascular, which is the most rapid, intramuscular, subcutaneous, intradermal inhalation. So do not forget how we actually receive the drugs. And we have sometimes we have medical emergencies in the office, and we would potentially need to use nitroglycerin which we would place sublingually. So what type of route is sublingual? Enteral, by mouth, correct? So what is pharmacokinetics? What are the processes? Do you guys remember pharmacokinetics? Um, It describes what happens to the drug once it's in the patient. Uh, You guys should remember ADME, right? Absorption, distribution, metabolism, and elimination. And just as a reminder, another name for metabolism that you could see is biotransformation. So we have absorption. Um, 
the transfer of a drug from the site of administration to the bloodstream. The small intestine is the most important for absorption of oral drugs. Distribution is the process by which a drug leaves the bloodstream and enters the body's systems. Drugs are distributed to organs with the highest blood flow. Metabolism or biotransformation is the breaking down of a drug for its removal from the body. Liver is the most important site for metabolism of drugs. And then we have elimination or excretion. It's the removal of the drug from the body. The kidney is the most important organ, and this is for renal excretion. So, where are the drugs absorbed? Where are they metabolized? The drugs are absorbed in the small intestine and metabolized in the liver. So, let's do a quick review. We discussed parasympathetic and the sympathetic system. Parasympathetic, rest and digest. Sympathetic, fight or flight. But do we know um, what the term agonist and antagonist means? Well, agonist is a drug that rapidly combines with a receptor to initiate a response and rapidly disassociates or releases from the receptor. An antagonist or a blocker is a drug that binds to the receptor but does not dissociate and has no positive response or efficacy. Do we remember what the term adrenergic and cholinergic mean? Yes, we just discussed it. Adrenergic is the sympathetic system, fight or flight. Cholinergic, parasympathetic, rest and digest. Do we remember the two neurotransmitters, their purpose, which system that they use? Yes, of course. Acetylcholine is the parasympathetic. It's released from the preganglionic neuron over the synapse and stimulates cholinergic receptors. Norepinephrine, sympathetic. It's released by the end of postganglionic neuron, which is transmitted to the target tissue where it activates receptors on the surface. So, remember, parasympathetic, rest and digest. Sympathetic, fight or flight. Adrenergic is for the sympathetic system. Cholinergic for the parasympathetic system. Okay, good review. So, can we name two types of vasoconstrictors? What are vasoconstrictors? Vasoconstrictors, they constrict blood vessels and they counteract vasodilating effects of anesthesia. So two types of vasoconstrictors are levonorepinephrine and epinephrine. So with that being said, we should recognize some conditions um, when to avoid the use of vasoconstrictors. Okay, so write this down. I have this highlighted. So conditions when to avoid the use of vasoconstrictors. So hypertensive patients whose blood pressure is uncontrolled. The maximum dose of epinephrine for patients taking non-selective beta blockers is 0.04 milligrams of epinephrine or two carpules. Epinephrine is contraindicated for patients that have had a stroke in the past six months. 
patients with coronary bypass and unstable angina within three months. The use of vasoconstrictors counters hyperglycemic effects of insulin by elevating blood pressure. Pheochromocytoma, which is a tumor in the adrenal medulla, and throdococcus or hyperthyroidism, and you should avoid use of vasoconstrictors in cocaine users. So, let's talk about local anesthetics, okay? So we have two major families of local anesthetics, amides and esters. Amides are metabolized in the liver. They have very low allergy potential and they are the icanes. So lidocaine is the most common. Mepivacaine, prilocaine, bupivacaine, articaine. And then we have esters. We're metabolized in the blood plasm and they have a high allergy potential and it's not used as an injection. It's used topically. So benzocaine, 20% topical or novocaine. Lidocaine, or you may see this as xylocaine, is the most commonly used anesthetic in dentistry. Um, it's available as a topical anesthetic and it is safe in pregnancy. And we have mepivacaine or carbocaine. It's a shorter duration. We have prilocaine, might be called cytoness. You should avoid prilocaine in patients with anemia and patients taking acetaminophen or Tylenol. We have bupivacaine, which is also called marcaine. And this is the dental anesthesia that lasts the longest, up to 12 hours. We also have articaine and septicaine. This typically causes long-term numbness. You have an increased risk of paresthesia, so that paresthesia is that long-term numbness in the area, especially with the mandibular block. So when we think of the duration of local anesthetic agents, just remember that bupivacaine is the longest duration. And then we have articaine, lidocaine, prilocaine, and last, the shortest, mepivacaine. So which dental anesthesia lasts the longest? We just said it, bupivacaine. That's right, and the mepivacaine lasts the shortest. Okay, quick review. Do you remember vasoconstrictors? We had levonorgestrel and epinephrine. They prolong and increase the depth of anesthesia. They delay absorption, decreasing toxicity, and they decrease hemorrhaging. So that was a quick review, again, of our vasoconstrictors. Constrict blood vessels, they counteract vasodilating and effects of anesthesia. All right, now let's move into the drug sections of pharmacology, starting with analgesic drugs or pain medications. These are commonly, uh, commonly prescribed in dentistry. And we have two types of NSAIDs. We've got Celebrex 
and ibuprofen, and we have Advil. So what is an NSAID? Basically, an NSAID is a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug. The mechanism, the mechanism of action is inhibition of prostaglandin synthesis. And just to note, it can increase phenytoin levels. The effects of NSAIDs are analgesic, antipyretic, and anti-inflammatory. Analgesic is pain reducer. Antipyretic is a fever reducer. Um, some adverse effects, it interferes with clotting and can cause GI irritation. NSAIDs are contraindicated in patients with gastric ulcers. It can decrease the effect of many drugs, including ACE inhibitors, aspirin, beta blockers, steroids, loop diuretics, and lithium. We also have a acetaminophen, which is uh, also a non-opioid. So ibuprofen, acetaminophen, non-opioids. Acetaminophen we know is Tylenol. It is also a pain reducer and fever reducer, but it is not anti-inflammatory. Adverse effects, we do have hepatotoxicity and liver necrosis at high doses uh, or if you overdose. Um, and just as a note, this is the drug of choice for children, patients on anticoagulants, and also pregnant patients. And we do have aspirin, also not an opioid. Its mechanism of action is the inhibition of prostaglandin synthesis. Um, it has is a pain reducer, a fever reducer, anti-inflammatory, and it's also antiplatelet. So it is a blood thinning um, agent. Um, adverse effects: we have several adverse effects with aspirin. It interferes with clotting, so it's contraindicated with patients who are taking Coumadin. It can cause GI irritation. So if a patient has gastric ulcers, we don't want them taking aspirin. Asthma patients are at higher risk for an allergic reaction to aspirin, which could bring on an asthma attack. So we want to avoid aspirin. Aspirin has also been associated with ringing in the ears, usually at high doses. And ringing in the ears is called tinnitus. And it's also been associated with Ray's syndrome. And we know Ray syndrome um, is associated with whenever a child is taking aspirin. So avoid aspirin in children. Acetaminophen or Tylenol is the drug of choice. All right, so those are our non-opioid drugs. So quick review. What are the therapeutic effects of aspirin? And just as a note, aspirin is also called salicylate. So analgesic, anti-inflammatory, antipyretic, and antiplatelet. Do we know the underlying difference between aspirin and NSAIDs? Of course, we know. NSAIDs do not have the same antiplatelet effect as salicylates. NSAIDs do not thin your blood. Aspirin has that blood thinning agent. All right. So, moving on from non-opioid to our opioid narcotics. Some examples are oxycodone, hydrocodone, codeine, and mepetidine.
Okay, so our narcotics or our opioid drugs block pain receptors in the brain. As a note, these are not used for chronic pain. The effects are analgesic, a pain reducer, antitussive, a cough suppressant, sedation, and euphoria. Some adverse effects include respiratory depression, sedation, nausea, vomiting, constipation, and addiction. As I mentioned, some examples are morphine, Tylenol-3, Demerol, Vicodin, Dilaudid, Fentanyl. Codeine is most commonly used in dentistry in combination with the cinnamon so that's the Tylenol-3. And as a note, um, due, due to these drugs blocking the pain receptors in the brain and having that adverse effect of addiction, some people do experience overdose. So I would like to mention Narcan or Naloxone. It is an opioid antagonist that reverses the effects of opioid drugs. It's used to treat opioid overdose, like heroin, and it is found in dental emergency kits. With that being said, there is a drug called methadone. It's used in the treatment of narcotic dependence and withdrawal, and it's taken once daily, and it suppresses the need for narcotics for 24 to 36 hours, so methadone. Um, you might see is a treatment for um, those who are getting off drugs. Now, we are going to move on from these uh, narcotics, these opioid drugs, and talk more about antibiotics. And we will talk more about that in our next episode as we review pharmacology for the dental hygienist. Here's a study tip. Did you hear a word or a condition you were unfamiliar with? Look it up. Doing your own research helps you retain knowledge. Teach someone else what you learned. Teaching someone else is a mutual way to retain knowledge and be helpful to others. Thanks for listening to my Smart Smile podcast. Please like, share, subscribe, and review this podcast. If you'd like to know when new podcasts will be dropping, review questions, and more, please follow our Instagram account at MySmartSmile. Hope this podcast helped you get the grade and the name RDH.